Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please make sure the volume of this podcast is set perfectly to your listening enjoyment. Please take your seat, whether that's on the treadmill, car, sofa, or bed, and buckle in for the last trip. My name is Jamie Beebe, and I'll be your tour guide recreating someone's last days in paradise. On behalf of myself and everyone behind the scenes, please enjoy the Last Trip podcast. And because nobody likes a long flight to get to where they want to be, let's prepare for takeoff. Our victim today is Jennifer Michelle Lorber, who was 30 years old when she traveled on a flight from Denver, Colorado to Malibu, California for a vacation in May of 2019. She was last seen on May 23rd, 2019, after checking into the M Motel along the Pacific Coast Highway. Her 2018 white Toyota RAV4 rental was found three days later abandoned near the Pacific Coast Highway. Her body was found a week after she went missing on May 30th, 2019, approximately 225 feet from the shoreline of Paradise Cove in Malibu, California. We know what Jennifer was doing up until she vanished, but it was six days until her body was found under very mysterious circumstances. What happened to Jennifer Lorber? We are visiting my stomping grounds today. I've lived in Los Angeles for almost 20 years, and Malibu is a place I've spent a lot of time in. Malibu is known for its beautiful beaches, stretching along 27 miles of coastline. The gorgeous sandy shores, crystal clear waters, and picturesque cliffs make it a paradise for beach lovers, as long as you don't go in the water, because it is always really cold. Malibu is a great spot to surf or to lay in the sun and try to spot celebrities. I usually take my dog to the beach just north of the area. Malibu is well known for its celebrity community, and it's actually not uncommon to spot some famous people throughout town, or you can at least drive by their luxury beachfront mansions. And there's quite a group of A-listers that call Malibu home, including Lady Gaga, Cher, Cindy Crawford, Leonardo DiCaprio, Paris Hilton, Richard Gere. The list goes on and on. Malibu is located just north of Santa Monica and northeast of Hollywood, between the Santa Monica Mountains and the Pacific Ocean. There's a lot of natural beauty and people with unimaginable amounts of money, because living in Malibu is definitely not cheap. If you're visiting Malibu and it's an overcast day or you just don't feel the need to lay on the beach or visit the overpriced beachfront cafes, I highly suggest hiking the trails throughout the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area. Of all the places I've hiked in the United States, those trails are some of my favorites. But back to the beaches, because this is where our episode takes place. Over 15 million tourists visit Malibu each year. That's a lot of people. And it's because the beaches are some of the most photogenic and beautiful in the world. Some of my favorites are Zuma Beach, Surfrider Beach, El Matador State Beach, and Point Doom. The history of Malibu dates back thousands of years when the Shamash people lived there long before the arrival of European settlers. They had a rich culture and created basketry, pottery, and rock art. In the late 18th century, Spanish explorers reached the area and established settlements along the California coast. After Mexico gained independence from Spain in 1821, the land passed into Mexican ownership. From the Mexican-American War in 1848, California became a U.S. territory, and then in the mid-19th century, more Americans settled in the area, living on ranches and farms. In the early 20th century, Malibu started seeing some new developments, including the construction of the Malibu Pier in 1905 by Frederick Hastings Ringe, who was the owner of the nearby Ringe Ranch. 
It was initially constructed to serve as a means of transportation for goods and people, but also a recreation attraction for visitors. In the 1920s, the real estate development started gaining momentum and the Malibu Colony, an extremely expensive gated community, was established. And that's what attracted the Hollywood celebrities and wealthy families. After World War II, Malibu became a central location for beachfront homes and resorts. With that came concerns about overdevelopment and preserving the natural beauty of Malibu, which led to various conservation efforts. In the 1960s and 70s, activists fought to protect the coastline, resulting in the creation of the California Coastal Zone Conservation Act in 1972. They established the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area in 1978 to further protect the region. Today, Malibu is a vibrant coastal community with a mix of residential, commercial, and recreational areas. It's a major destination location for tourists and anyone who's looking for that beachside lifestyle. Visiting Malibu, it's good to know some great photo spots. First up is El Matador State Beach. It's the perfect beach backdrop you've been looking for, and you won't be the only one staging a photo shoot there. Go during low tide so you can get to the caves for the ultimate photo shoot. And pro tip, just go ahead and pay for parking. Because I love seeing weird things, I suggest grabbing a photo with the Salsa Muffler Man. It's a giant statue on top of La Salsa Mexican Restaurant. Originally, it was a burger joint with a man on top holding a giant burger, but now he holds a taco tray and wears a sombrero. You'll be the envy of your Instagram friends with this photo for sure. If camping is your thing, head over to Malibu Creek State Park. Not only is it a gorgeous destination, but the TV shows MASH and the movie Planet of the Apes were filmed there. Also, although Malibu is an extremely safe place to visit, crime is everywhere. From 2016 to 2018, there were a series of shootings that occurred in and around Malibu Creek State Park. Tragically, a young father named Tristan Boudot was killed while camping with his children in June of 2018. And in the summer of 2023, a man was convicted of that murder and sentenced to 119 years to life in prison. Today, we'll be talking about Paradise Cove Beach in Malibu. It's a private, picturesque beach where visitors can enjoy sunbathing, swimming, as long as they don't mind the cold water, of course, and beachside dining at Paradise Cove Beach Cafe. Paradise Cove was transformed into a beach resort in the 1940s when businessman Fred Roberts purchased the property. He built a restaurant and motel for people who were looking for that beachside experience. The cafe quickly became a popular dining spot and gained attention from Hollywood celebrities because of the beauty and the proximity to Los Angeles. It's also been used as a filming location for a lot of movies and television shows, which helped to elevate its reputation and popularity. In the late 1980s, the Roberts family sold Paradise Cove and the Beach Cafe to Alan and Cindy Cantor. They made a lot of improvements to the property and remodeled the cafe, expanding it and adding private event spaces. Up until then, Paradise Cove was still a private beach. But in the early 2000s, there was a legal dispute regarding public access to the beach. The California Coastal Commission and local activists fought for public access rights, which resulted in an agreement that ensured the preservation of public beach access. Paradise Cove Beach and the cafe are landmarks in Malibu, so it's no wonder that our victim, Jennifer Lorber, went there. The mystery is, how did it become the place her body was found? Malibu is extremely safe. Your chance of being a victim of a violent crime in Malibu is 1 in 261, 
and there was only one homicide reported in the whole city of Malibu in 2019. Although Jennifer's body was found in 2019, surprisingly, she was not considered a homicide victim. Time to dive into who Jennifer was and what really happened to her. Jennifer Michelle Lorber was born on June 7, 1988 in Santa Monica, California, and attended Culver Christian School in Culver City, California. Her father, Andy Lorber, grew up in Malibu, and her mother, Rose, grew up in Culver City. Her grandparents, Joyce and Norman Lorber, lived in Paradise Cove for over 30 years. So while Jennifer was on vacation visiting Malibu, she had a lot of ties to the area. Jenny, as her friends and family called her, was a beautiful, gifted soul who was always a doer. Her mom recalled several sweet childhood memories on her memorial page. As one story goes, Jenny's mom woke up one morning surprised to see two-and-a-half-year-old Jenny eating cereal and watching cartoons. She had done it all by herself without any help from her mom, dad, or big sister Lisa. She was a very independent child. At age five, she told her mom that she wanted to do missionary work. When she grew up, she started traveling and exploring the world. She loved helping people and animals, so it was not a surprise when at just 20 years old, she was already sponsoring a little girl from El Salvador. She even paid to repair the cleft lip for several children while in Africa. Jenny graduated from UC Santa Barbara with a degree in international relations in 2012. She studied abroad in France and traveled with floating doctors in Panama, where she helped indigenous people get medical attention. In South Africa and Belize, she taught people to farm their own food. She also traveled to Morocco, all over Europe, Thailand, Mexico, Hawaii, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Chile, Peru, Ecuador, Costa Rica, and Colombia, just to name a few of the places she landed during her 30 years. Before visiting Malibu, Jenny had been studying classic fifth element acupuncture, an ancient style of acupuncture based on the understanding of the cyclical flow of vital energy known as chi at a school in Louisville, Colorado, while living in Denver. She was about to begin her clinical residency for acupuncture in the fall of 2019. On top of that, Jenny cultivated a successful jewelry business with proceeds from her sales going to different social and global causes for change. On her Jewelry Line's Instagram page, Pulso Jewelry, it's described as wildly elegant jewelry and she has almost 2,000 followers. It looks like she used herself as the model for a lot of the photos and it's definitely jewelry I'd wear. About her jewelry company, she wrote, I chose the name Pulso for my jewelry to emphasize the connection we all share. Each time my hammer strikes the metal, it sends through it a pulse that will continue to subtly vibrate long after the piece has left my hands and found yours. The pulse mimics the pulse beating within all of us, connecting us in a quiet harmony. We are all pulsing, full of spirit and life on this earth. Not only was Jenny smart and business-minded, but she had a funny, dry sense of humor. She loved inside jokes, delivered at just the right moment. Her family said her intellect and spiritualism was something people will always remember about her. And she had a great laugh, a gorgeous smile. She was full of love and beauty. Jenny was really close to her family. She moved away years before, first to Mohab and then with her partner Bijan to Denver, but she stayed close. Her mom visited her throughout the year, and Jenny would visit LA several times a year to see her mom, dad, and grandparents, especially for special occasions and holidays. She loved animals and was always rescuing special needs dogs. She would nurse them back to health and then adopt them. Jenny enjoyed so much of life. She loved watching the show Friends, practiced meditation, cooking, reading, painting, and hiking. She would text her mom almost every day about food, school, and her pets. And while her mom said that Jenny's stunts and adventures scared her to death, she knew she'd always come home with a big smile and happy stories. 
Before Jenny's death, her older sister Lisa had been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer and died within seven weeks of the diagnosis. This hit Jenny hard. She had an ongoing history of clinical depression that had been brought on by the trauma of losing her sister, which was termed situational depression. At the time of Jenny's trip to Malibu, she was in a good place and had future plans to visit other friends and attend school in the fall. By all accounts, she was looking forward to her future. But there was one thing that was pretty unusual about this trip. She didn't tell anyone that she was going to Malibu. She normally told her family about what she was doing and where she was going on a consistent basis. But this time was different. According to family friend Rosie Sanchez, once Jenny arrived in Malibu, she only informed a select few with vague details about where she was and what she was doing. Because I live so close to Malibu, I wanted to travel Jenny's last route myself. I wanted to be in the same moments, go to the same places, just in case I could learn anything from following in her tracks. I made a video explaining everything along the way and showing all the spots we knew she was. And you can watch it on Patreon at patreon.com slash the last trip podcast. It's about 20 minutes long, and I think it's a pretty good explanation of everything Jenny went through before she vanished. Jennifer flew alone to Los Angeles International Airport on May 23rd from Denver, arriving mid-morning. She then rented a car and drove to the M Motel in Malibu. What I find odd is that she didn't have a reservation. This is the type of place you'd probably want to make a reservation or it was likely to be sold out. Which makes me wonder, was the M Motel her actual destination or was it just the first motel she saw while driving down the Pacific Coast Highway? The M Motel is located at 22541 Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. While it's close to the beach, it is not very easy to find. In fact, I had it plugged into the GPS and still drove past it without noticing. It made me think Jenny must have known it was there. She wouldn't have stopped. The M Motel was previously known as the Siesta Lodge, built in 1947. It was actually one of the first motels in Malibu and has since been restored, keeping the mid-century style while utilizing modern amenities. It's a cute boutique motel and more affordable than most places in Malibu, running two to $300 a night, which is a great price considering it's right near the beach. It also has an outdoor pool, ocean views, private balconies, and it's pet-friendly. On that Thursday, after she checked into the motel, Jennifer was visited by a college friend. I could not find much information out about this friend or exactly what their relationship was, and he was never named in any of the news sources. What I did learn was that he was a firefighter from Ventura County, and they spent a few hours together from about 2.30 to 5 p.m. inside the motel. Later, the friend described Jennifer's behavior as being somewhat unusual, and he was worried about her state of mind. But guys, if her behavior was so concerning to him, why didn't he report it to someone? He was a trained first responder. He has a duty to report someone who may be a danger to themselves or others. He could have contacted family members or friends or even local authorities, but he didn't say anything to anyone until authorities contacted him. And shortly after Jennifer was reported missing, that friend left the country on a trip he said was previously planned. What I really want to know is why Jenny met up with this guy. Was he the reason Jenny went to Malibu and didn't tell anyone? She obviously told him if he visited her on the afternoon she arrived. But who was he to Jenny? Just a friend? Someone she dated in the past? Or possibly still dating? Rekindled an affair? 
She had a longtime partner, Bijan, that was mentioned in several sources, but I don't know if they were still together or not when she went to Malibu. So she could have been cheating on him or they could have broken up. Also, what were they doing for those two and a half hours? Were they merely catching up, arguing, having sex? How well did they know each other? I have to assume the authorities originally looking into Jenny's disappearance know what happened during their meeting and didn't question it because this guy was never a suspect. After this guy left at 5 p.m., Jenny also left the motel about a half hour later. She drove to the Ralph's grocery store at the Colony Shopping Center, about a mile and a half down the road. When I did the same drive from the motel to the grocery store, I noticed there were a lot of closer grocery stores, some even within walking distance. It made me wonder why she went to that grocery store specifically, other than that it was a big chain grocery store. I assume she went to get some snacks or drinks, but I wonder if she bought any alcohol, perhaps a bottle of wine. Jenny left the grocery store and no one knows what she did until she was seen on a security camera at 9.30 p.m. She could have gone back to the motel to eat and relax. Maybe she had a few drinks, perhaps scrolled through social media or watched a movie. But at 9.30 that night, Jennifer was seen on the security cameras in the parking lot of Paradise Cove Cafe walking toward the beach. The restaurant closed at 9 p.m., so she was too late to be there for dinner, and really, it doesn't have the best reviews in Malibu. Of the reviews I read online, I felt like this one summed it up. Paradise Cove is an overpriced, nautical version of a Chili's restaurant with sticky menus, supersized frozen daiquiris, warm beer, and peanut shells on the floor. It's probably not somewhere I'd eat, guys. When I got to the parking lot, following Jenny's trail, I saw the cameras and the path she walked down the road from the Pacific Coast Highway past the cameras down to the beach. That night would have probably been pretty quiet without a lot of people around. Even though it was Memorial Day weekend, Malibu is a quiet town that shuts down pretty early once it gets dark. Jenny stayed there for a half hour. She was out of view from the security cameras once she got to the beach, and I assume she sat and watched the waves or maybe walked around on the sand. At 10 p.m., security cameras show her walking up the stairs on the other side of the parking lot, away from the beach, towards a trailer park that were up along some cliffs, overlooking the water. When I found the same stairs she had walked up that night, I noticed that now there's a locked gate on there. And I know what you're thinking, but this is not a normal trailer park. It's the most expensive trailer park in the world. Some of the trailers sell for 2 to $3 million because they're along the Malibu coastline. So that's the direction she went, and that's the last time she was ever seen. But Jennifer did make contact with her family between 12.30 and 1.40 a.m. According to law enforcement, this was the last communication from her phone. So the last time we know for sure that Jennifer was alive was at 1.40 a.m. on May 24th. The next morning, concerned family members contacted law enforcement to file a report, which was then widely circulated from police on the afternoon of May 25th, out of concern for her safety. The exact reason for their concern wasn't released to the public, but her family told police she suffered from depression and that the last communication from her did have a disturbing tone. Searchers started immediately looking for Jenny. Her backpack was found on the beach that weekend and turned into the Paradise Cove Cafe by a good Samaritan. It contained her wallet and credit cards. There's no way to know when she lost her backpack, whether it was that night or when she was on the beach for a half hour or at some point later. But why was her backpack found on the beach? Was she watching the waves and just forgot it when she got up? Did something scare her? She left it behind trying to get to safety. 
Or maybe she went back later in the night and left it behind. The one thing that wasn't found with her backpack was her phone. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department jumped into action. They spearheaded multiple search operations using a search and rescue team, dogs, an air unit, marine rescue boat operators, and help from county lifeguards and fire department personnel. They searched on land, water, from the Westward Beach, Point Doom area, south, all the way to Paradise Cove, and beyond. They didn't find any clues until Jenny's car was found Sunday, May 26th at 11.15 p.m. at the corner of PCH and Paradise Cove Road. It was found just east of the light at Paradise Cove on the north side of the Pacific Coast Highway, right in front of a storm drain. An off-duty member of the Malibu Sheriff's Volunteer on Parole was returning from a private event that night and noticed the car. I find it surprising it took them that long to notice the car because it was right by the cafe on a really busy highway. Unfortunately, there weren't any clues in her rental car. It was described as clean, with only a white towel in the car, likely from the hotel she was staying at. The only reason to park on the PCH near Paradise Cove would be to access the beach without paying the crazy restaurant parking fees, which I can attest to because when I went, I literally paid $45 to park for about 20 minutes. There's nothing within walking distance of where Jenny's car was found except Paradise Cove Cafe, a few residences, and that trailer park. If you go northeast of the restaurant along the beach, there's a series of coves with rocks and tide pools. The other direction has huge homes and mansions right on the beach. It's a quiet stretch of sand, but it's not completely secluded, especially on Memorial Day weekend. I think someone would have been around, but no one ever came forward to say they saw Jenny that night. After her disappearance, there were reports of Jenny in a nearby gated community close to Paradise Cove Pier. But when authorities looked into it, nothing turned up after watching security footage from the area. The address of the gated community was never disclosed, but the only place close to Paradise Cove would have been that trailer park. We know she walked up the stairs toward the trailer, so I wouldn't be surprised if she was caught on someone's security cameras. On May 29th, 2019, five days after she was last heard from, a $10,000 reward for information leading to Jenny being found was issued by the county. Her friends and family had also planned a search party for June 2nd at 10 a.m. starting at the entrance of Paradise Cove. But on the morning of May 30th, a news chopper hovered over the rocky shoreline and residents noticed the chopper focus on one particular spot just north of Paradise Cove Cafe. The discovery of a female body was announced by the sheriff's department at 11.28 a.m. Jennifer Lorber was later positively ID'd by a family member at the coroner's office. Malibu authorities released a statement that said, Body remains recovered from earlier operation in Paradise Cove have been ID'd. To the friends and family of Jennifer Lorber and everyone who assisted in the search, we hope you find strength in the love of family and friends during this heartache. Jennifer's cause of death was not immediately released, and investigators did not say whether foul play was suspected. They also did not release when they think she died. In the coroner's paperwork, it listed Jennifer's cause of death as suicide by drowning on May 30th, 2019. Now, I think they use that date because it was the day they found her and possibly not the actual date she died. Because if she didn't die until May 30th, it would support the theory of foul play. Jennifer Lorber's memorial was on June 24th at 11 a.m. at Will Rogers State Beach, Tower 5 in Santa Monica. I drove down to Tower 5 to get a sense of Jenny, to feel more familiar with her family. 
It was an overcast day in June, probably very similar to the day they celebrated her life just three years earlier. I can only imagine how much Jenny's family misses her. Like her obituary said, death is not extinguishing the light. It is putting out the lamp because the dawn has come. It's important to note that Jenny's family accepted suicide by drowning as her form of death. I'm partial to agree that is likely what happened. But there's a little piece of me that really questions it, and I'm not the only one. Some things just don't add up. If Jenny died by suicide, how did she get in the water? It was never released whether authorities thought she walked into the water or she jumped from the cliffs. I stood on the cliff over the water where her body was found, and I just don't see how she could have jumped in and actually made it into the water. There's a big stretch of sand between the rocks and the water. Even if she had a running start, I just don't see how she would have made it into the water. Of course, it would make a difference if she jumped when the tide was coming in, but I think it would still be a far reach that she would jump off and land in the water and not in the sand. The water in Malibu was really cold, about 57 degrees when Jenny went missing. I think it would have been hard for her to walk into that water with it being that cold. And trying to drown yourself is not an easy thing. Your body naturally needs oxygen, and her body would have fought to breathe air had she walked out into the water, no matter how determined she was to end her life. I'm not saying she couldn't have done it, but it would have been logistically difficult. Another problem with the suicide theory is that she made plans to meet up and stay with friends after her trip. She also had long-term plans to go back to school in the fall. While it's rare for someone to take their life on vacation, Jenny did spend a lot of time in the area, and if she was feeling depressed or had a mental break of some sort, those feelings of nostalgia could have pushed her to end her life in that way. But it's also important to remember that because someone suffers from depression, it doesn't mean they are inclined towards self-harm or suicide. I don't think we can rule out an accidental death. She could have been walking along the cliff by the trailer park and slipped, falling to her death. The rocks get slippery at night, and when the fog comes in and in the dark, it would have been hard to see her footing. Maybe the real mystery isn't how she got in the water, but how was she not found sooner? Search and rescue residents, surfers, had been in that water looking for Jenny for six days. If she went in that water in the early morning hours of May 24th, they would have found her. Jenny's body was found only 225 feet from the shoreline. People that know the ocean saw this as a huge red flag. One Malibu resident who studies ocean tides said that for her body to be discovered so close to the shoreline seems highly questionable, especially with boats, swimmers, and rescue teams in the water every one of those days. This person said her body would have had to have been tied down with a trash can filled with cement for it not to be noticed sooner. When I researched what happens to a drowning victim, I did read that when someone drowns in similar water, they sink first and then rise to the surface. Being that she was in salt water, it's likely her body would have floated days sooner than when they found her. But they also had dive teams combing the water in that exact area that whole weekend. So I think even if her body had sunk, they would have found her if she was there. Of course, this is speculating that she went in the water in the early morning of the 24th. But if that was the case, then why didn't security cameras see her return to the area and go down to the beach? When I looked at the security cameras, I noticed they cover the entire area of the parking lot almost all the way to the beach. There's no way she could have walked back down the stairs and through the parking lot to the beach without the security cameras picking it up. Especially because when I scoped out the area, there were lights in the parking lot and lights from the trailer park. And while it's possible she did jump from the cliffs, I still find it hard to believe she would have made it past the beach into the water. 
Also, her backpack was found on the beach by the cafe. I just don't think she would have left it by the beach and then jumped from the cliffs. I think if it was suicide by drowning, she would have left her backpack where she went into the water. Another possibility is that she didn't go into the water that night. What if Jenny's cause of death wasn't suicide or accidental? Crime is everywhere, and although it's very low in Malibu, something more sinister could have happened. Paradise Cove is a quiet area, especially at night when most people leave the beach. But this was a holiday weekend. Holidays bring tourists and more people, and more people means more criminals and crimes of opportunity. Just a couple of months earlier, a waitress was held up at gunpoint on her way to work at Paradise Cove Cafe. Not only that, the stretch of beach near Paradise Cove Pier at the time in 2019 had a lot of complaints from residents about an abandoned house they said was a breeding ground for criminal activity and porn productions. I searched, but I did not find an abandoned house, so I assume it's since been sold, remodeled, and is now occupied. In May of 2019, residents were really concerned about it, and the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department thoroughly searched that abandoned house after Jenny's disappearance, although they found nothing to indicate she was ever there. Jenny Lorber isn't the only person to disappear in Malibu in recent years. In fact, the disappearance of Elaine Park was very similar to Jenny. Elaine went missing in 2015, and her car was found not far from Jenny's, also along the Pacific Coast Highway. Both girls were pretty young brunettes who went missing over a weekend. Elaine's body was never found, and we have no major clues in her disappearance. It's possible someone is using Malibu as a hunting ground. In 2018, Matthew Weaver Jr. went missing, and his car was also found in the same area. Only a few articles of his clothing were eventually found, and many people believe foul play contributed to his disappearance. There have been reports of people being mugged and violently assaulted walking to the cars along the highway, especially after dark. These crimes are usually blamed on transients in the area. If Jenny walked up the stairs toward the trailer park, she could have kept walking to her car and was possibly assaulted on the highway. Maybe she was kidnapped and then killed. One more theory that I want to dive into is the possibility that the friend she met up with earlier in the day had something to do with her death. Barely anything was said about her friend, their relationship was never clarified, and what they did when they met up was never released to the public. Her friend has never come forward to help with her search and ultimately ended up leaving the country before her body was even discovered. The one thing he did say was that he thought she was acting strangely when they met up, but again, he never sounded an alarm, even though he's a trained first responder. I do understand it's common for friends and family of a suicide victim to look back at their last interactions and more clearly see red flags because hindsight is 2020, making it possible that he didn't think that much of her state of mind until later. I don't want to bring any unwanted attention or suspicion to Jenny's friend, especially because he was cleared by the police and her family, but he was the last person we know that saw Jenny alive. While I find the death of Jennifer Lorber suspicious, Investigator Reynolds and Deputy Medical Examiner Dr. Dutra ruled that Jennifer died by suicide and drowning in the Atlantic Ocean on May 30th, 2019. How can you stay safe when visiting Malibu, California? First of all, stay aware of your surroundings. Whether you're at the beach, hiking in the hills, or exploring the city, make sure you know what's happening around you. Keep an eye on your belongings and avoid wearing expensive items that might attract unwanted attention. The last thing you want to try to do is keep track of expensive jewelry or your favorite handbag while you're enjoying vacation. There are a lot of places to go hiking that could be potentially dangerous if you're not aware of your surroundings. 
Malibu is a gorgeous place to take photos, but don't go too far out on a cliff to get that perfect Instagram photo of the sunset. The beaches are beautiful in Malibu, but any body of water can be dangerous. Pay attention to water conditions and watch out for warning signs or instructions from lifeguards. Only swim in designated swimming areas, and I suggest only swimming in areas where there are lifeguards. Be cautious of strong currents and riptides, and remember that although shark attacks are extremely rare, they do live in the ocean here. Protect yourself from the sun. While it doesn't always get extremely warm in this area, you should wear sunscreen, a wide-brimmed hat, sunglasses, anything you can to shield yourself from UV rays. The sun can do a number on your skin. Stay hydrated and always bring water, especially if you're going for a hike. If you are going for a hike, bike ride, or even just walking along the beach, make sure you have the trails mapped and know the direction you're going because cell service can be spotted throughout Malibu. Stay on paths and keep an eye out for wildlife like rattlesnakes and mountain lions. About 50 people in Southern California get bit by rattlesnakes each year. In 2022, Princess Bride actor Carrie Elways was bit by one in Malibu. If you are bitten by a rattlesnake, stay calm and call 911. Wash the bite area gently with soap and water if available. Remove watches, rings, or anything which could constrict swelling. Immobilize the affected area. Keep the bite below the heart if possible. And of course, get to the nearest medical facility as fast as you can. Ideally, you want to get medical attention within 30 minutes of being bitten. Whatever you do, don't use a tourniquet or apply ice to the area. Don't cut the bite or try to remove the venom. Don't drink caffeine or alcohol. Don't take any pain relievers, and don't try to catch or trap the snake. Rattlesnakes are most active in the morning and from dusk into the night. Wildfires are common in Malibu, so if you're camping or hiking, make sure you have a safe and quick exit plan just in case. Most crimes in Malibu are property crimes and theft. Violent crime is extremely low, but it does happen. Whenever you're traveling, always inform someone about your plans before going anywhere. Tell someone reliable where you're going and what you'll be doing and when to expect you back. My number one tip to staying alive on vacation is to pay attention to your gut. If something doesn't feel right, it isn't. Jennifer Michelle Lorber was 30 years old, 5 feet, 1 inches tall, about 100 pounds, Hispanic, with long brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen on security cameras at Paradise Cove Cafe on May 23rd, 2019. She was wearing black leggings and a big coat. Anyone with information about what happened to Jennifer or anyone who saw anything in those days she was missing is asked to contact the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department Missing Persons Unit, Sergeant Mike Rodriguez, Detective Abraham, or Detective Parita at 323-890-5500. If you prefer to provide information anonymously, you can call Crime Stoppers by dialing 800-222-TIPS, which is 800-222-8477. And guys, there's an app for that. You can use your smartphone by downloading P3 Tips mobile app on Google Play or the Apple App Store or by using the website lacrimestoppers.org. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline for both English and Spanish speakers can be reached at 800-273-8255 or suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And finally, remember to leave a review and rate this podcast five stars if you like the show or hell, even if you don't. But either way, feel free to let me know what you think. Please follow The Last Trip on Instagram at The Last Trip Crime Pod and subscribe on Patreon to support the show. 
You'll get extra research, videos, photos, and updates, and even learn about my personal travels. That's patreon.com slash thelasttrippodcast. I'm Jamie Beebe, bringing you your last trip and signing off until the next one. Thanks for listening.